Security Excellence Through Education, Corporate Security University. This is Corporate Security University. Security excellence through education. Scotty, I think it's storytelling time. Uh, I'm here at your house. We're hanging out, having a good old time. Yeah. And uh, it was quite interesting because you brought up a point that I I, I thought, man, this this would be a great chat. You thought it was a great chat. And it's about corporate security, the future of it, but through the story that just occurred in your area, man. So tell tell everybody a little bit more about it. We're in the Corporate Security University cafeteria right now. That's right, buddy. Enjoying a meal together. For once, we're together in the same room. Yeah, so Carlos, in Arizona recently, uh, and this is related to corporate security and workplace violence. And so we have a employer, a very large technology employer in the Phoenix area that had a death on campus and a serious injury occurred as well in the same situation. Workplace violence, um, employee brings uh, weapons to the workplace and in their cafeteria beat somebody to death with one and then injured another employee seriously. Pretty big issue. I won't name the employer uh, because y'all can Google it and figure it out for yourself. But I figured we would talk about uh, because security is always going to play a part in these things. I figured we'd talk about the corporate security response and what they should have known um, and their duty to protect and, and those kinds of things. So let me just paint the picture a little bit little bit more. Um, in every uh, kind of serious incident, the police are going to respond and they're going to do policey things. Policey things, I like that. Whatever that means. I like, like that. Yeah. You know, they bring guns to to the situation and they they handle it. Uh, in this situation, they caught the suspect immediately, and now, of course, everybody's looking for answers, and so the news media is out canvassing current and former employees and asking them about their experience in this workplace. For context, it was a technology manufacturer, meaning that uh, they manufacture, they actually make physical hardware that's used in computers. Um, They make them at this site. And my understanding is that the workers involved were part of that. Um, Some interesting things about this case was that the situation occurred on a weekend very early in the morning in the cafe and we know having worked in silicon valley and worked for tech companies there's usually and that sounds unusual for most folks who don't understand that a tech company will have breakfast lunch and dinner seven days a week because operations are happening all the time right and so my understanding is that they probably or my feeling i'm totally kind of just shooting from the hip here. They probably had some type of breakfast uh, uh, being served in the cafeteria for these employees. If not, it was a lunchroom or a room where they could consume a meal. And maybe that's where they start their workday. A lot of employees like to start in in the cafeteria and then kind of graduate to their workstation. Um, With manufacturing, of course, they're on the manufacturing floor. With technology, of course, they're probably wearing some type of protective equipment in the manufacturing process, of course. Uh, Now, what occurred, we've talked about. 
What's your experience around workplace violence and and how security should be postured to mitigate those things? Yeah, how crazy it is because I think one of the first things that I was thinking about when you were telling me this story was that, you know, in today's world, security truly is more more and more uh, of the old observe and report, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say that there was security there and there was appropriate security there. Inappropriate, by the way, it's usually laid out by some kind of uh, civil court litigation. It feels appropriate. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> ever knows mm -hmm. how much it was but until it goes from one side to the other. But, um, you know, could they have mitigated that? Could they have not? So I'm wondering a lot of things, right? Uh, the old cop, why, who, what, when, how yep. uh, kind of thing. So the guy just walks in with a baseball bat. Well, he had it concealed in a bag, from what I understand. It was in a bag. Okay, so it was in a bag. See what I mean? So, But entry control. I mean, well, that's where you're going. In today's, that's exactly it. So in, in today's world, it's like, okay, is it worth for this one incident? I'm guessing this is probably the one major incident that mm -hmm. has occurred at this location mm -hmm. that you're talking about. Yes. Was it ever worth it? I mean, if you just look at data, 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 was it ever worth them to do anything else different than what they have always done, regardless of what's going on in the world? Because we've talked before that I'm not a big guy on this geopolitical stuff just because it's happening in Russia. I got to do something out here in, you know, Arizona to protect myself from there. So I'm going to start there. Yeah. Uh, could they have had some kind of x-ray machine, some kind of metal detecting machine, you know, whatever the case might have been. Bag searches. Random ba bag, bag searches. The old bag, yeah, yeah, random bag searches, any of those things. Could that have happened? Yeah, absolutely. You could have done that. But if you're at a place and you're the leadership there that has never had anything go wrong. Yep. And never everybody happened for the to most hear, part, hear yeah, it's polite. And the workplace violence issues that you have there or uh, quite minimal, you know, to none. I, you know, I don't know what the entirety thing is, and it sucks for me to try to sit here and, and try to quarterback this. Yeah, thing. we don't want to quarter. Right. We don't want to be critical. We're just trying to use yeah. this as an example of, hey, how can we be better as corporate security? And I'll back it out a little bit further. Mm -hmm. I know you're talking about at the kind of the point of entry, right? The right. POE into the into the facility, and. Let's remind me to go back and talk about guns on campus. Yeah. That's a big thing here in Arizona. Everybody can carry a gun. So let's let's table that for for to talk about in this because I've had similar situations in corporate security, right? right? The what's the policies and procedures around I know this we always laugh about this. Are you allowed to bring weapons to work? Everybody knows you're not. It's true. It's true. But yeah. you better have that written in either into your code of conduct or into your policies and procedures that every new some hire signage employee, somewhere. Some signage is great. Yeah. You know, um, from that parking lot, because you don't necessarily control access to a parking lot, but from the parking lot to the door, how are we how are we influencing behavior? Yeah. And and how many doors? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. How many point of entry? Yeah. Right? How many point of entries? And usually, if you were to, if you work uh, closely with the facilities leader, he'll tell you or she will tell you, "I want as many as I can. Mm -hmm. I want to be more efficient." Right? But that right. does not work for us in corporate security. You have to really do your best to try to get the minimum amount of point of entries. 
So yeah, other than you know the all of the metal detecting, the old uh, hand, you know, if you used to go back to Universal Studios back in the days, they started checking bags with little pieces of sticks. Oh yeah, have little move sticks things around, around. move things <laughs> like around, chopsticks. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, uh, well, you can't even do that anymore. So now just kind of fl- fluff the bag from the bottom and hope that things move mm-hmm. in there. Uh, so there was a lot of a lot of that. But anyways, a lot of different ways to think about that. But again, did the data show? Yeah. that they needed to do any of that, you know. Um, but then you think about what were they creating inside of this building and how important it was to the company. So then you got to start thinking about, well, what are the total risk factors if something happens to the stuff that's there? You know, let's say it is a chip manufacturer or let's say that it's something that the world extremely needs today. Is that more important than a manufacturer that deals with something else? So their risk level be higher, automatically you need some kind of metal detector, some kind of security measure at the door, right? Uh, it could have been it could have been that way. So Scott, honestly, I don't know. And you kind of have yeah. to look at the data to see really were they negligent or not at that point. At, yeah. And that at the door. Yeah, I don't know if we can, we can determine negligence yeah. from what we know. I definitely think that this this is the important thing to talk about with a workplace violence program. You know, a, a lot of folks who um, don't have any approach to workplace violence. Workplace violence programs really start with what's your code of conduct and what are your policies and procedures and how you treat people. A lot of this has to deal with HR, our human resources partners, and this is what they do. They yep. establish these policy and procedures, training. You know, um, when you talk to a security professional, about workplace violence, their first response is run, hide, fight. Yes. Or, or whatever the DHS you know program is of the day, the yeah. flavor of the day for active shooter. Yeah, cool. Run, hide, fight. Let's always, talk always about liked it. it. Yeah. I right, well, no, totally. And and but we've got to be more evolved than run, hide, fight. It's got to be more than that. And this is a perfect example of that because we didn't have a run, hide, fight situation here, did we? This no. was this was an active aggressor. Yep. Not an active shooter. And by the way, in Arizona, where you can own all kinds of guns and suppressors, this the weapon of choice was something intimate. It was bats and knives, a baseball bat and, and one or two knives. So the, the we can't focus on weapons specifically, right? We have to be broad. And this is the problem as corporate security professionals that we get into every time. We get myopic and we get this tunnel vision, as yeah. I'm doing the tunnel vision sign right now. Yeah. The, the people you listening are tunneling. Home, I see. That. I was tunneling. The listeners can't see me do that. So we get this tunnel vision and we focus on, oh, stopping guns from coming in this place. To your point, should you have signage? Yes, but not specific just to guns. Let's have policy and procedures. Right, of any kind. Yeah, weapons of any kind. You may have to. Uh, when I worked in tech, I had to get very descriptive because oh, yeah. what's a weapon? Do the guy, the folks who work in the mail room, they have weapons. They have box cutters to open packages, right? Do we consider that a weapon? Well, no. Well, they do a TSA, and how do we do that? You know? uh, so w- the way we approach this is 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 delicate. Because you've got to you've got to put good parameters around there that aren't so restrictive that they inhibit the actual business that we do. Yeah, it's funny as you were saying that. I remember I used to play on a softball league uh, when I was with the uh, the Walt Disney Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a softball league, softball it was an bat. internal team, right? You know, I brought my awesome softball bat stuff because I'm going to the game right after work. Is that you know is that a weapon? Is that not a weapon? 
Uh, I think I don't think anybody would have known the difference. I wonder if they had a softball team, but anyways, that's uh, neither here nor there. Right. Um, but yeah, that too. If you think about it, there's a couple of things that you mentioned there. Uh, I remember when we were talking about it that I'll bring it up too. It's uh, so you got the one person that clearly was probably the the true victim. Yes. Right. And then there was a second person that came was in to help. Yeah, it sounds like. And it. through the investigation that that's been done so far, everybody's mentioned that you know we rarely ever saw security. There wasn't much security there. Yes. Um, so I wanted to go back. This is for all the leaders that are listening to this. Regardless if you have one or two or three security officers, the point that the people didn't know that you existed might be a problem on its own. Yes. Because if you're not going out there yes. and knocking on doors, introducing yourself as the security leader, asking them to show up at their um, their team meeting to just talk a little bit about security, if you're not there marketing yourself, giving that extra kind of, um, you know, people always ask, well, what are you worth? Yeah. I said, well, if I create a corporate security program that allows me to educate everyone into becoming security sentinels, right? Everybody's yeah. seeing my face. Now I'm like this marketing thing for security. Everybody would know that security was always around and the things that were best. So I'm thinking, hey, okay, so they're saying there wasn't security there, but was there anybody really marketing security and how great security uh, is and all the wonderful things that they do and yeah. all the things that they can help you with and you know if somebody comes in with the bat run hide fight somebody comes in with the bat press the uh the you know the old the crap panic. button yeah, you panic know the buttons. panic button right. you know and i don't want to say oh ship uh oh <laughs> ship button um but you know all those things so i start thinking about that like, let's go deeper into your program. Yeah. Within that program, did you have a well thought out and often explained workplace violence program yeah. that you were saying? So I'm thinking deep into that program. And again, not to quarterback the no, thing. No, It's happened. It is what it is. And, and, yeah. But it's not something. It's top of mind right now, right? So it's in the in our lexicon. In our, and I, I think it's great opportunity for us to talk about this because this is I've had you know similar situations um, everybody has if you spend a decade in corporate security you're going to see this stuff yeah, yeah. Um, so we definitely don't want to point out you know what could have they have done differently or better that's for uh, maybe a, an attorney to I, figure I out I think their own people really to figure out on their yeah. own measurements yeah. you know hopefully they'll have an after action report done oh a the, lot of people well, let's talk about, about that though well, a lot of people well, why is that important that. is that important should we be doing that well I mean uh, any so uh, it's interesting that you say that I grew up um, um, I grew up that every time the cops or yeah. fire yeah. came to our property, we had to write out an entire, um, it's, I'm going to call it a leadership summary. Right Executive after the summary, incident, yeah. you know, I had to go up uh, to my office and quickly write the who, what, why, when, to go up the chain because guess what? They're going to was HR was involved. The mm -hmm. company that I worked for. Uh, obviously, was in the news all the time for all different things. So we knew that community relations was going to be involved, right? All these folks going to be involved. So we need to give them the information they want. But automatically, that came with a, hey, let's review what happened and let's do an after action report that needs to be either uh, fixed or uh, remedied 
within a certain amount of time. And for us, usually it was three months. Yeah. You have a finding. You've got to fix it. Within three months, you have to fix it. Mm -hmm. Some egregious things was literally like, you will fix this by tomorrow. Right. (laughs) Because we were opening tomorrow. Mm -hmm. There was Mm -hmm. no not opening. No. No The show must go on in Disney parlance. No such thing. That's why I, I love my education that I received, mm-hmm. you know, from the Walt Disney Company. And it's funny because, you know, that my guys, every time I say Disney, they, they, they have to have take to a drink. shot. And yeah. if they're listening at home, they still have oh, right to take a shot. Right now, yeah, you way. have to do a shot right now. But so, yeah. So let's go there. Was there an after action report done? Yeah. I'd love to well, see it. I absolutely recommend that. You know, I, I in, in Silicon Valley, uh, when I was running security operations, had the same posture if we uh, have police or fire on scene not only are we going to uh, want to understand what happened but HR is going to ask the CEO is going to ask somebody with some VP title is going to be like what happened in the parking lot and it could be something super minor but you better have answers for that or at least it should know what happened additionally how do we respond to that for example, we had a fire alarm kickoff, um, and then we had a, 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 a inadvertently in the kitchen during lunch had to evacuate a big building, and then due to that evacuation, somebody started having a heart attack. So we had a medical response on top of a fire evacuation, and when you have a limited amount of security people, it's great. You got all the cameras you in sure the world. Sure, this wasn't an exercise, man. Because no, just throwing in. Okay, I, no, no, my okay, situation no, was was that, a real one too. Yeah, no. but but that is a great exercise yeah. point. By Absolutely. the way, if you're doing, by the way, if you're doing a security program, you better be exercising your officers, or your your operators, whoever you got working for you. Um, and the, that's a great one to do. Kick off something minor and then kick off inject. something major. And you just throw a little yeah, injection. Or a little thing and see how they do. A little injections, yeah. While all the cameras and the AI and, and the GSOCs in the world are great, right? you still need human bodies to respond and mitigate. Yeah. So we've been talking about that. We're going to talk about that more maybe later on. But what was the response here? We don't know. But I would imagine in a manufacturing facility, the manufacturing facilities that I have, every single one of them has an employee-led ERT, emergency response team. Mm -hmm. They're first aid CPR AED trained. They carry all the same equipment as an EMT may with the exception of oxygen. Or they're very readily available. They are. They've got... They've got radios. They can evacuate people, AEDs. If you get a boo-boo, they can come bandage the boo-boo, right? They can do a lot of things, and they're great because they're we don't pay them necessarily for this work. Right. You know, they're an engineer or they're, you know, well, and they office raise, And manager. they raise their hands, right? They do. I want, I want to do that. They're great volunteers. Yeah. And so, you know, in this situation where you had two people gravely injured or, or at least one person gravely injured and another person significantly injured, could the ERT respond and mitigate those injuries, right? And while it wasn't an active shooter, it was an active aggressor, for right. some point of time, and then the person left. What did could did you could you stage your ERT? Could you communicate with them, stage them, and then do you see on camera that the scene is? And I don't mean to say safe, like no, nothing is gonna, nothing bad is continuing to happen. But you know, can can you send unarmed people into that scene? Has the attacker left? Mm. So do you have camera footage in that area? I don't, we don't know, but I'm just saying. Like, these are the things that I would think about as a security professional. Can my folks who are sitting in a sock look at, ca- at the, the tools that they have available? Badge access and cameras. 
Right, those are the two main tools that they have available. They may have radios, depending on the organization, right. and and they have a phone line to nine one one. Right, they would. I would hope that they called as quickly as possible. This was reported to them. Yeah, I was going to throw a couple of other things too, which I think are important. Um, this for all the leaders out there again. When you were designing that camera uh, system. You know, the, were you able to every once in a while important spots throw in a PTZ? Yeah. Were you working with 360 camera within the center of the room that yep. may be able to capture all those? You know, because all those things are important. And in this moment, you know, if there, if you, do you have a sock? Yeah. Yeah. What does your sock it, even look like? Is, is there anybody in the sock? And that's yeah. And then. Are they able to pull up cameras? Are, are the camera able to see what is going on? Yeah. Right. Um, so. Very, uh, very good, th- good one on on the on the cameras there. Well, let's talk about emergency response too. So, well, so yeah, that's where well, that's where I was going to go next. Okay, good. you and I talked about you know security officers observe and report. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's say there was security there. Yep. You know, am I running to the scene or am I walking to the scene? Yeah. Am I when I get there? Am I jumping in and helping or am I? What's your training? Well, yeah. that's that's the thing. What are you equipped with? But if you're only asking me to observe and report, am I doing the pulling out of the old cell phone mm. like a lot of people do and start recording this thing? Don't do that. Or am I just taking notes like if I was a some kind of a court clerk mm-hmm. just taking mm-hmm. notes of what's being said and what's going on? Um, or maybe you're the only one there and you're calling 911. Wait, how about you're it? You're it. And yeah. you are scared. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's okay too. Uh, uh, I have a, a very good buddy of mine that always says... You know, uh, until you get hit in the mouth or something, man. I think it was Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson said that, yeah. and he, my buddy uses it. But until you get hit in the mouth, you don't know how you're going to react. You yeah. have absolutely no clue. Until bullets are coming your way, you may be a tough guy or girl. But yeah. unless bullets are coming in your way, you don't know how you're going to react. So let's say that security person is sitting over there. I, am I jumping in? Am I not jumping in? Yeah. A guy like me would be comfortable, right? I play college football. I wrestle. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Man, I love a little hands-on stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was a cop. I, I didn't want pepper spray on my belt. I didn't, you know, I'm hands on first all yeah. day, every day. So, okay. So, they're training. Yeah. I've been in different places of proprietary security where they do the old behind the elbow and wrist. Two people behind the rubble, and then they, sh- they also teach you how to do a third person hold. Yeah. Where it's safe for everyone. Yep. And the third person hold is leaning them forward, and the other person is literally behind them like a Heimlich maneuver. Um, so, are they trained in that way? Right. Are they not trained at all? Yeah, maybe their policy is hands off. Well, maybe their policy is exactly yeah. that, right? Yeah. So, we can't really blame anything or anybody, um, but love to see, love to see well, what that was. Their let's, policy was. That. And and I think it, you know this is where we always start is policy and procedures and training development, yes. right? L and D learning development for the corporate folks out there. Um, you, they've got to be trained. They got to be equipped. They got to be selected appropriately, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you're talking about the ERT or the security officer. Doesn't matter. They all have to be trained and equipped appropriately. If you gave them all this great CPR, first aid, AED training, and then gave them nothing but uh, the training, they would could not do what they've been trained to do. Right. So think through the process. Drill the process drill, too, even drill, better. Drill the process. Let's talk about emergency response. So we've, our first responders, which I don't, uh, when they come to our campus, they're backing us up. That's has always been my philosophy. Mm-hmm. I encourage every security leader out there to adopt that philosophy. It's your house. They're coming to back you up, mm-hmm. right? Now, 
I don't know what the situation was here. It doesn't matter. But usually on a medical, uh, when you're calling 911, you're getting police, fire, EMS, and f- police will be the first ones there. Yes. And they jump right in. Our law enforcement partners are great. Because, you know, to all my fire people there, and as a cop, I can say these things, you're probably about five blocks down waiting for the scene to be cleared. It's correct. If you it's not a safe scene, you yeah. can't come in. You, you stage. Know, I'm staging. Yeah, I'm staging. Fire and EMS stage. Yeah. So uh, law enforcement will be the first one there usually. And we talk about this all the time. When was the last time your law enforcement partners got a tour of your facility? Boom. Well, how, what's that relationship like with all the emergency services people around you? Is yeah. your local leader reaching out, right? As I always say, shaking hands yeah. and, and hugging babies because I'm not about kissing babies. I, but I can hug them. It's, you can't, it's a new world. You can't do that in 2020. Well, yeah, it's a little yeah. weird. But um, that's something that, it, 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 by the way, higher leadership, if you're not measuring your team members out there with their relationship yep. um, with the local emergency services, I, I think you're failing there as well. That should definitely be one of the measurements that you have. Yeah. But uh, but I agree. That relationship is key. And did they know where to go? Was there somebody there to guide so, them there? Yeah. Uh, did they have access to get in the building? they have access? One law enforcement agency I worked with said, I said, if you don't have access, what are you going to do to get in the building? They said they would drive a police car through the glass doors. Wow. And wouldn't that be great on the news to have the back end of a police vehicle parked in your front lobby? Yeah. Right? Uh, no. It would be good for anybody. But I think where we need to go here, because we've got about seven minutes left or so. Here we go. The question I think that you and I proposed, which Mickey Mouse Carlos here dislikes, is that as the world evolves, less law enforcement, more companies are going into rural places, especially companies like that that are manufacturing or something like that. In my world yeah. of data centers, we already go into places that are that are rural. Yeah. yeah. Um, not, not that many law enforcement no. on those PDs. No. Uh, We've had situations, because we are rural too, yeah. where you're not getting law enforcement response within minutes. It's sometimes 30 minutes or so, an hour. Yeah. So I've always been the guy that says security does not need batons, handcuffs. Mm-hmm. I've always been that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's for me, there's a, a clear differentiation between law enforcement and security. Yeah. But one of the things that you said and you, and you proposed, well, What's the idea of the future security officer? Mm. And in that situation, did we need like a REACT team? Let's call them, for the law enforcement folks out there, a TAC team or military folks, TAC team. Would a TAC team work really well there? We use a lot of systems, security systems, camera systems, everything to do all the work that you need. And you just have just a TAC team that now, the state of California does this, you have your security license and you can add on licenses for batons, handcuffs, and you know almost everything else, tasers, I think, as well in the state of California for your security officers. Yep. Is that what we're looking for in the future, Scotty? Somebody that has all those three add-ons to work for you, and they're extremely capable, fast, agile, in shape. Yeah, you know all yeah. those things that you need, and it's a little team of four that react to all of the future AI technology. We, we sort of use this now in our manufacturing process because um, we can't rely on our fire and EMS partners because again, we have rural manufacturing processes that are um, based on uh, combustible materials. So if a fire starts and we had to call, some of our, our manufacturing locations are near, are so rural that they don't even have a fire department. Right. So you call your volunteers and they could take 30 minutes to get there, the whole place is burned down by then. Right. So we have our own fire and EMS folks 
who will respond, put wet stuff on red stuff and uh, bandage a boo-boo or, or take somebody, get somebody out of, extracted from a machine because that happens. People yeah. get stuck in machines. And uh, so we, um, in several places, do that ourselves because of that reason. Right. So we take this to the next degree, which is now you're saddling those folks with a security incident uh, requirement as well. How do we do that? Um, I think that's the future. I think that's where we're going. We need people that understand technology. We need people that understand when things go kinetic, you know, to use a team lingo when things go loud. Yep. Um, uh, so we are going to, I think, need somebody um, that can be very diverse. And by the way, that unicorn does not really exist outside of special forces in the military. Somebody who feels comfortable around um, extracting violence or also picking up um, somebody who's injured and packaging them up and getting them ready for transport. Those are really different skills, which is why you have police officers and firefighters. They're two separate things and they respond to an incident very differently. Well, I think we're going into a world where we need somebody who can do both of those things. Yeah. And that's not intuitive and that's not easy. I think we've got to build them, by the way. Yeah, and I, you know, and I don't like it. You know, I've told you that already. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. I'm more of a fan of, Scott, and the more I thought about it, I'm more of a fan of you still have your security officers the way you're supposed to have. Yeah. But as a detail, like as an extra pay, you hire oh, yeah. a EMT yes. and a yeah. police officer to be at your location at all times as a, de as a detail. Right? Yeah. You work with uh, the city, I the county. You. Yeah, where they're, so this is kind of like the A-team model where you've got somebody who's a specialist on your React team. Everybody has yeah. like that, a duty. And the reason why I, I like that better is because then they, you know, they have all the rights, yes. all the rights to take care of people, you know, paramedics down to tracheotomy or whatever it is yeah, on that right, side. Right. Yeah, whatever it and is. For, and for the cops uh, to be able to arrest and follow all the wonderful laws of the state, the city, the town, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And that slightly removes, slightly, because you're still going to be on that uh, lawyer paperwork that you're going to get sent, but it removes liability a little bit more away from you yeah. than from your company. Yeah. You know, you just got to figure out which way to go. I don't totally disagree with what you're saying. I wish that we could just all still just be security officers. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess customer service with a badge. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't. I think there's a place for that. So I think with in this situation, we've always talked about, especially with loss prevention, how do we mitigate an a, a, an issue specifically with loss prevention? How do you mitigate a theft? Great customer service. Yeah. Walking up to that person saying, Hi. hey, how you doing today? How are, how are things? Anything I can help you with? Any place I can show you to go? Doing that, perhaps in a situation similar to what, a, what we've been talking about, yeah. may have de-escalated this person. Ah. It may have. Yeah. I mean, we don't know, right? But well, I mean, we can always go into like behavioral assessment units, too. If they would have seen him walking out. Yeah. The, his demeanor, Fixed his walk, gaze, his talk, yeah, exactly, uh, right? Combative stancing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you communicated with him, he was rude, crude, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and all the other things. Right. Um, there's so many things that you could throw in as a corporate security leader these days, uh, Scott, that it would be really, really interesting to, and I don't think we'll ever get the full skinny of the story, no, but no. uh, it would be really interesting to check that out. But it's a, it's a good 
thing to talk about yeah so that we can all as an industry improve get better we have to it's an imperative that we have to there are going to be less people to do this job in the future in a decoupled world yeah so those are the risks that we face in the future how do we make today better for tomorrow i love it i love it listen We'll leave this one here. A lot of good stuff. Yep. Uh, everybody, Corporate Security University, we're going to be bringing you a bunch of different things, a bunch of different topics. Uh, it's going to be coming out every week. And I know Scott and I are really excited, and we're probably even more excited to bring some uh, other amazing guests into here. So um, uh, we'll leave it here. I am Carlos. And I'm Scott. And this is Corporate Security University. Security excellence through education. Take care, everyone. Security Excellence Through Education, Corporate Security University.